Kia ora, you're listening to Speak Out Radio on 106.1 FM. Uh, I'm your host for today, Campus, and I'm joined by... Neo. And I use they, them pronouns. So do I. Lovely. We match. We do. We're twinsies. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Even if we look nothing alike. Yep. (laughs) Nothing alike. I mean, we both have glasses. Short Um, hair. Yeah, yeah. You shaved your head, though. I did shave my head. And I like it. It It feels good in the breeze. Yes. (laughs) I shaved my head maybe... A year ago, two years ago. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved it. It was it's so much good, fun. Yeah. I did. I did look like a turtle, though. Not gonna lie. No. <laughs> okay, maybe a little bit. Yeah. It was. I think there's just something about my face that screams turtle, um, and I'm proud of it. I'm yeah. Very proud of it. Own it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're here today because last week was um, Disability Pride Week. Um, Sadly, we didn't have a show that was airing then, so we decided it's fine if we just do it the week after. And also this week is Mental Health Awareness Week. so Topical. Yeah, topical. And I feel like they go very hand in hand um, because I think a lot of disabilities are um, mental disabilities or invisible disabilities. Um, and also before we sort of start talking about our experiences and, you know, how uh, how we're doing and that sort of stuff. Um, we do want to point out that we can't represent the entire disabled community. We luckily don't have every single disability on the planet. Um, also, um, not very physically disabled either. So, um, also just invisible disabilities yeah. is what we have. Yeah. So I think it's really important that we just point that out and yeah, acknowledge that. And acknowledge like, that, and we're not coming from every perspective here. Yeah. Just our own. Yeah, and we're just here to talk about our experiences, not to talk over other people's voices. And um, there are so many people out there that do speak up about their disabilities, physical disabilities, invisible disabilities, all that sort of stuff. And they're all amazing and I love them. And it's great. (laughs) Yeah. They're our siblings in arms. Yes. Love them. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So how have you been doing? How you doing? Oh, man, well, I dropped out of high school. Oh, that's fun. That's <laughs> fun. Yeah. How come? Is it um, like... Mental health, actually. Yeah. Funnily enough. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. The too demanding and stuff. That's fair enough. I yeah. feel like school isn't made for people that don't fit into totally a very... Totally not, yeah. Yeah, able, you know, it's a very ableist It is, system. Just, just from its basis. Just yeah. Because, I mean, it was made for to get humans into factories right that's mm. how the school system started yeah. or how it, what it's become yeah yeah how and about you like how are very, you doing oh i'm great yeah i'm doing great that's good to hear yeah it's been it's been a wild week yeah. I've, I've had a uh last week was wellington high school's pride week mm-hmm. which was very fun um so we went and did some workshops there with through inside out so awesome. um that was really fun and that was really awesome and it's so cool to see schools actually doing stuff totally that like makes rainbow people visible and like unapologetically visible mm-hmm. which there's is so been cool. a few schools doing that recently actually like I've seen on the inside out page that tabby keeps going along to yeah. school stuff yeah and I think as well um I really hope that we start doing things in schools like um pride weeks pride months instead of doing like one-off days yeah I think there's so much more like you have a, an ability to do so much more, but mm-hmm. I feel as well also that, like, with one day, it gives schools an excuse to be like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Or, like, yeah. Yeah, whereas if you do, like, an entire week that is entirely rainbow. It's schools, noticeable. And... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 
what we want to do is hold schools accountable. Yes, we yeah. do. Yeah. Good little jingle there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's actually our new Inside Out jingle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay, <sighs> let's let's just take a moment after a long, busy week. Yeah. For you and a nothing yeah. week for like, me and yeah. just relax. Meditate for a second. Yes. Yeah. Um, and because we are here to talk about um, the rainbow community, disabilities, um, I guess that's a good place to start of like how do disabilities and being having a rainbow identity sort of intersect, I guess. I will say for one, sometimes it can feel very isolating, even in the rainbow community, because mm. often for like, um, I'm, I have schizophrenia, so it's an invisible disability. So it's like, it's hard to know and connect with other people who also have the same thing because it's hard to tell sometimes. Mm. Although sometimes it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think as well, because like being rainbow and being disabled don't, they're not the same identity. It's like an intersecting mm. identity. So there are rainbow people who aren't disabled, who don't know anything about the disabled community and they don't know how to support disabled people. Yeah. Um, there's I, just not that much knowledge about it in the community, I'd say. Yeah, and I feel like that's where we see things like um, rainbow spaces not being physically available or mm -hmm. accessible, like not having lifts or um, wheelchair ramps, that sort of thing. And as well, like uh, a lot of queer spaces, like gay bars, that sort of thing, they don't have wheelchair access which yeah. really isolates people with physical disabilities it's who, really bad yeah who can't like you know go down disabled people want to have fun and party too yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i think as well um when we talk about accessible spaces it's not just physically accessible totally. it's like being in a space where you're not going to get sensory overload like, or like at least like a room where you can go, where you mm. can like sit out and like have some quiet time. Yeah. If you are feeling sensory overloaded. Yeah. And I think, I think we've gotten a lot better recently with rainbow spaces and being accessible. Like I've been to a lot of rainbow spaces where they'll give you coloring in sheets or they'll tell you if you need a timeout, you can take a timeout. Mm -hmm. Um, I know at Shift Hui this year, we actually handed out fidget toys. Yeah, that's but, a good, That's always a good yeah. time. Um, <laughs> I co-opted one of them for yeah. a little bit longer than I should have, a little bit. Yeah, and I loved it. And I think that's like a step in the right direction to acknowledge just how humans exist. Like not everybody can sit still yeah. for an hour or... Longer even. Yeah, or shorter. Awesome. Like, I find it difficult to sit still for, like, two minutes. It's like my ADHD pops off. It's like, <laughs> it's been 30 seconds. Let's I notice see. you haven't done anything in the last, like, three seconds. Yeah, How like, dare you? Yeah. <laughs> I reckon you should get up and just, like, have a little dance now. <laughs> um, actually, I <laughs> dancing randomly is sort of my thing, where I would just, like, randomly bust a move somewhere. Nice. And I used to work at, like, um, a packing factory, and it was sort of my thing that whenever we were sort of having a lull or I wasn't having to do anything. I would just like dance and it just became my signature move. Poignantly dancing. Yeah. Poignantly dancing. Yeah. Bit of an inside joke yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I got really off track. There. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, disabilities, rainbow spaces. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I'll admit to being really spoiled because I like, I've, the most of the rainbow spaces I've gone to have been inside out related mm. just because, you know, they do the stuff at youth. I, sort of a youth 
um, recently graduated. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, and, well, we know that Inside Out's great with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well, Inside Out specifically gives a platform to people with disabilities, rainbow people with disabilities, mm-hmm. to say, like, do what you need to make this space work for you yeah um and then also stuff like we're allowed to do this radio show and talk about our experiences yeah like i came on and talked about psychosis a while ago and you've talked about adhd before yeah oh (laughs) with um the adhd episode it was actually really funny because we had to edit an entire chunk out because maggie and i got distracted by like this (laughs) fly that was in the room and it was i was like that's very on brand it is that's very on brand Mm -hmm. yeah well done yeah thank you (laughs) yeah um yeah, I, there's so much to unpack here and it feels like we're such a small slice yeah. of, you know, everybody out there that it's sort of, it's tough to talk about this and also acknowledge that we're not everyone but also try to raise awareness for certain things even though we don't experience them ourselves personally, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a sort of a good good way to go towards thing is that yeah. like acknowledging that we're not you know we don't experience these things but we can still you know raise their voices mm-hmm. and like reiterate what they've said and that sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. so I guess do you have anything like in rainbow spaces that you wish like were better towards rainbow disabled people um Honestly, because I go to just inside out things mainly, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? I think, I actually agree. I think inside out's really good with it. I feel like this is like, <laughs> we're just like, inside out's really great. <laughs> like, yeah. we're sponsored by them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we're sponsored by inside out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think. I guess I can point out things I think we do really well is that we try to make things accessible to people with um like invisible disabilities like we try and make sure that people have a space to time out in mm-hmm. we give people fidget toys and coloring in and we try and make sure that like noise levels are all right but I do think there are times when I notice that like oh this this place does have a ramp to its bathrooms but like there's yeah. stuff in front of those ramps and we're privileged to not have to notice that it's yeah. only that we just do yeah of like when there aren't people that are physically disabled in a space, we often forget that it should be accessible to them, even if they're not there, because, you know, one day they are going to be there. Um, Or they're just not going to be there because they can't be there. Yeah, exactly. Of, like, how can you expect somebody to show up to an event if they can't even get into the building? Yeah. Yeah. And I think as well, I feel like it is those small things of, like, ramps going to bathrooms. Doors being wide enough. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're in a wheelchair and, a like, a doorframe isn't wide enough... What are you going like, do? Yeah, you're screwed. Um, and I think that's the sort of things that we need to keep an eye on and be aware of, even when there aren't people that, you know, are struggling with that. Like, yeah. we need to make sure that they're accessible. Does New Zealand have a version of ADA? ADA? American Disabilities Act? I don't know. I have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're so we're, we're so we're so educated. We are. Like we know we know everything. Yeah, we know everything. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think as well. Recently, people, rainbow people, especially with disabilities, have been getting more of a platform, which is so amazing to see. 
And it's, I think it's one of my favorite things is to just go like on social media and read about people's like um, their experiences and their stories. And I find them really like, I love reading them because I'm just like, you felt empowered to speak yeah. up and share your truth. And you and felt like, it. not safe enough, but like able to. Yeah. Because that's always something, because like in this world, it's hard to speak up about these things. And yeah. like, just by even talking about it, you're being super brave. Mm, exactly. Yeah. I do see like a... I do think it's a fine line, though, of, like, between, like, saying, like, oh, you did a cool job, good, good, I learned something, and then being, like, you're so inspiring and I'm so yeah, empowered by everything you do. Porn. Yeah, yeah, inspiration porn, yeah, of, like, these people are people and they don't just exist to make you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Or feel bad. <laughs> yeah, or feel bad. Yeah. Like, people just exist and yeah. people just so happen to have disabilities and that's, like, A-okay. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that's one thing that um, I was messaging Maggie. Maggie was going to do the show with us, but sadly, they um, another thing came up, so they weren't able to be here. But they did talk, like, mention to me about how, like, not everybody embraces the label of being disabled. Mm-hmm. Like, not everybody who is disabled says, like, I'm a part of the disabled community. I identify as being disabled, that sort of thing, which I think is interesting. That, it's, but, yeah. it's actually only recently that I've felt comfortable to have to to use the label myself yeah how come um it just felt like I wasn't disabled enough oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's such a common theme like I feel like I've heard that so much recently of like not being blank enough when it's like even the tiniest bit makes you blank enough and I think I personally well, like, Nia's just moving the mic. It's all good. Um, it's pretty squeaky. Yeah. Nope. I think for me personally, I wouldn't, I haven't called myself disabled simply because I was like, I definitely previously have classified disabilities as just like a physical disability. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that does come from society being like, if you can't see it, then it doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Um, and then just having like the slow realization of like actually like having ADHD and anxiety like affects pretty much every part of my it life. It does, yeah. Like it affects it affected my schooling, it affects my working life, it affects my my social life and ultimately everything that affects your brain like affects your body because totally. that's just like the brain is so integral to everything. Well, it's like piloting the meat suit. Yeah. <laughs> piloting the meat suit the name of this episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah it's so crazy how brains work Mm. um like for me personally um I think it was my my year 12 in school um I think it must have been like just over halfway through I suddenly got like really sick like nauseous all the time and we were sort of going um, back and forth in and out the doctors being like, oh, what's up? Is it just like got a tummy bug? Um, went for like an ultrasound. They were like, are your organs okay? <laughs> Apparently I have a bit of a long liver. But oh, there that, you go. Like, it's fine. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it turns out it was like my anxiety is psychosomatic, mm. meaning that the things I feel in my brain, I feel physically. Mm. So it was like whenever I felt anxious, I would then feel nauseous. Yeah. Um, because my body was just like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. So yeah. I'm just going to make it impossible for you to yeah. do that. Um, and I think that was such an 
important step in noticing how I work of like if I feel nauseous and it's I'm about to go into a place and I feel nauseous or my body reacts to it I'm like okay I feel anxious my brain is freaking out right Mm now but I I'm able to like recognize that and and then take steps to stop it yeah yeah which I think is so important I think that's I think recognizing signs of when, like, you know, you're having, like, a panic attack or you're really anxious, recognizing the signs leading up to that and while you're in it is, like, such an important part of being able to take care of yourself. It's the first step to knowing how to stop it, right? Yeah. Or at least lessen, alleviate it. Yeah. And I think that's another thing with, like, panic attacks is that they say, like, a lot of the time you don't even realize you're having a panic attack because you just think everything's just, like, your brain doesn't go to it because it's freaking out about Mm -hmm. everything else. And, like, the first step is noticing that, like, oh, I'm panicking. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. And, yeah, I think being really in touch with your brain and your body is so important. Mm. Yeah. Another funny way that does, like, mental disability can affect um, physical is that whenever I get, like, intensely delusional, um, I start, I, like, have a head tick. Ah. So my head, like, ticks to the side. Oh, okay. That's and it's just really interesting. Yeah. Well, how did you notice that? How did you, like, begin um, to notice that? Well, I have varying degrees of insight. So, like, sometimes I can tell I'm having a delusion. Sometimes I can't. But, like, um, one time when I could, I was like, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on yeah. here? Okay. And then does that mean, like, when you're insightful enough, you're able to tell? Like, yeah, it's sometimes yeah. like a clue that I'm having yeah. a delusion. Yeah. Okay. And is that something you use to, like, identify? It is, yeah. Not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is that something that you've... Like, how do you keep all of these, like, signs and clues and all that, like, in mind? Do you, like, write it down or do you just have it in your brain, like, um, ready to go? I probably should write it down. That's actually a really smart idea. But, um, no, I just have it in my head, just, like, a list of things that will clue me into the fact that I'm having a delusion. Mm. And do you find that useful? Like, how how do you actually use those, if that's okay to ask? No, yeah, okay. totally. Um... Well, the problem is, even if I know it's a delusion, my brain is still like, well, okay, well, it's a delusion, but it's still real. Yeah. Or like, um, well, it's not a delusion because delusions are things that aren't real and this is real. Mm. So it's like a sort of weird of circle of... Yeah. Um, of like just noticing it doesn't mean that yeah, it goes totally. away. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think it like helps you ground yourself or like, how does it help you? It just helps to know that, like, okay, this is, it's not, this is sort of a weird way to say it, but it's, like, it's not something that's wrong. Mm. Well, I mean, it is, but mm, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Oh, that's all good. Yeah. <laughs> of, like, it's okay to just, like, be delusional. Yeah, totally. Like, you don't have to snap yourself out of it yeah. immediately. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah. I think it's yeah. so, like, eloquent. You are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Words good. You do words good. Thank you. I word good. (laughs) Yeah. That's so interesting. That's that's awesome. And do you think, like, with you personally having schizophrenia, do you think there is enough visibility within the community towards, like, what you have? Absolutely not. No. (laughs) I think often in the first and the mental illness um, community, people, I see a lot of people, like, online and stuff being, like, um oh, I'm not crazy or anything, I just have, 
I just have like depression or anxiety and it's like I'm not one of those crazy ones mm. and it's like well come on <laughs> like hang on a second wait a minute yeah yeah and it's definitely I think there are definitely certain especially mental illnesses that are seen as scary yeah mental illnesses of like um some people would be like yeah, support my friend with depression, anxiety, because you know what those are. But then as soon as it goes into the realm of, like, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, anything that feels, like, bigger or scarier, I'm doing air quotes Yes, I can see. But it's, like, people, like, freak out. They don't know what to do. Yeah, and and also ones that have um, lots of uh, stigmatism. Stigma. Is that a word? Stigma. Stigmatism is an. That's I an eye thing, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I have a stigmatism. Me too. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we match. <laughs> we are yeah. twinsies again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. A lot of stigma. Yeah. Um. Around it, especially. Mm. Yeah. Which is sort so... of turns people to. Yeah. Throw us under the bus. Yeah. To make themselves feel better sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and I think as well, like, like a it's an awful stat of like people think that people with schizophrenia are, like, dangerous. When, when actually we're more likely to yeah. be victims of violence than um, perpetrators. perpetrators. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is so, like, I feel like it's so telling of, like, how important the media is, mm. especially when talking about disability. Of, yeah. Like, and mental illness especially, of, like, you see one portrayal of a certain mental illness and then that's how people view it. Yeah, and just that's what they associate with it. Yeah, and I think as well people think that, like, if you have the same um, mental illness or the same disability, that means you experience it the same way. Exactly, because, of course, every single human experiences mental illness the same way. Yeah, which totally. is, like, so not true. Yeah, no, not yeah. at all. <laughs> and I think it does come from a place of, like... Yeah, there are similarities, like, to get diagnosed, you have to have, like, a certain yeah. list of symptoms, but that doesn't mean that you experience them the same way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you have, like, all of the symptoms or... Like, I don't hallucinate? Yeah. Even though I have schizophrenia? Yeah, and it also um, doesn't mean that there aren't other symptoms as well. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some things, some symptoms that just aren't, like, within the diagnosis criteria, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, like, well, I actually, with ADHD, it was sort of interesting because, um, uh, like, emotional irregularity is a part of ADHD, mm-hmm. um, but it isn't part of the diagnostic criteria because you can't, like, scientifically measure emotional irregularity. Of, like, you can't say, oh, this person's emotions are, like, all over the place or they change really quickly or they feel rejection yeah. sensitive dysphoria um dysmorphia dysphoria dysmorphia um one of the it's two. like yeah it's sort of like one of those things that you can't measure so it's not mm. part of the diagnostic criteria but it is recognized as a really like you know massive part of having adhd yeah yeah and i think as well since getting diagnosed and since learning about things like um rejection sensitive um I, I'm really sorry, but I don't know if it's dysphoria or dysmorphia. Shall I look it up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which basically means, like, that any sort of perceived rejection, like, people with ADHD feel it, like, 3,000 times more than... Dysphoria. Um, dysphoria. Yeah. Okay, sick. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, feel it, like, a 1,000 times more than uh, neurotypical people or people without ADHD. Um, and that was something that 
I never even thought about because I thought ADHD was just like, oh, you're really hyperactive and you can't focus and it's like, ah. But there's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as well since talking to pe- other people with ADHD, um, I realise how much impact um, emotional dysregulation has on people and on myself. Of Like I remember one time... Um, it would have been like my year 12 at school um, that <laughs> there was this girl in class who I was f- sort of friends with, but we weren't really that close. And one time she didn't smile at me in class. And for two days, I was just like, Aww. oh, no, nobody likes me. And I hate myself and everything's awful. When it was just like, she just didn't smile at me. Maybe because she was having a bad day or something. Yeah, but it's sort of, that's such a common experience for people do you wish that was something that was like more well known yeah totally yeah um and I I think since talking to other people with ADHD about it it's I'm able to recognize it now as well of saying like oh that person didn't respond well to my email now everything's falling apart and everything everybody hates me instead going like this person like said something that wasn't quite rejection and but my emotions are like off the chart and it's okay yeah to just like it's okay to feel like sad and rejected but also like it shouldn't overtake my entire world and I shouldn't yeah like stop sending emails <laughs> yeah and I think it's like goes back to that being able to recognize things means that I'm able to control them in a way or at least like control the impact of them yeah and the response to them yeah exactly of like I'm not going to stop feeling that way but I won't delete my Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, a, that was a bit of a rant. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's all good. Yeah. It's what we're here for. Yeah, it's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. And also it's Mental Health Awareness Week, as I said. Yay. And I feel like this episode is probably more directed towards that than yeah. Disability Pride Week, simply because our experiences fall more into that category. Um, and... I just, I think we, there are some resources, um, there are some like, there's a competition, like a photography competition happening at the moment for Mental Health Awareness um, Week, uh, basically take a whole bunch of pictures about certain things of like, um, this is your connection to the land, this is your connection to your mind and your body, that sort of thing, and um, you can win a camera from it. Oh, damn. Um, so um, we posted about it on the Inside Out um, Instagram, but also I think you can just um, Google it and it'll come up. So if that's something you want to, you know, try your hand out, please Ooh, go ahead very and try it. Yeah. You um, might win a camera. Yeah, might win a camera, which will be... Or you might just have a fun time creating some art. You'll have a great time creating some yeah. art. Yeah. Um, yeah. Woohoo. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you want to, like, add to, like talking about your experiences especially I mean it doesn't just have to be in relation to being rainbow but also just like in general um I like I I'd like to say that um the response I've had from people in the rainbow community when I've told them that I have schizophrenia and stuff like at shift I for like two or three years I did I think it was two years I actually did a talk on being um at the time I said psychotic because I wasn't diagnosed yet. But um and the response to it was amazing. Mm. Just like everyone was so wonderful and kind and supportive. Yeah. Have you had the same experience or Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um but I definitely think ADHD is definitely things 
like something that people see as less scary again air quotes so people have a bit more education about it um but i definitely think there is a lot of stigma around it and i think we'll carry on with that into the podcast but for now we finished our time on air so um thank you for listening you've been listening to speak out radio on 106.1 fm ciao bye and we're back Hello, Hi. how you doing? Oh yeah, yeah. just the same as last time, yeah. which is funny seeing as it was yeah. 20 Our minutes ago. Our voices are still, you know, here. <laughs> yes. Um, I, got, I just distracted myself. Hard on, yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess carrying on from what we were kind of just talking about with stigma, um, I think stigma is such, such a big part of... Um, discrimination against disabled people and also against rainbow people. Totally. Yeah. I I feel like stigma is sort of an integral part of, like, discrimination across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Of, like, like, you think a certain way about somebody, so you, like, I think it's probably a tool of oppression, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it totally is. Like, propaganda has, like, historically and still is a part of oppression yeah. and discrimination and also like gaining masses to like I was about to say like beat up but I was like gang up on yeah. groups of people or individuals yeah like stigma I hate <laughs> I hate <laughs> stigma yeah it's just like I also hate stigmatism yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I just wish I had 2020 vision yes <laughs> oh I have to pay so much for glasses oh yeah um yeah I guess maybe we could go through some stigma that we've, like, seen or experienced ourselves mm-hmm. um, in regards to our specific mental illnesses and disabilities. Yep. Um, if you feel comfortable with that. Yeah. You yeah. want to go first? Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll go. Um, so ADHD, I feel like it's just, like, chock-a-blocked full of stigma. <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. Of, like, people know just enough about it to create their own assumptions but not enough about it for those assumptions to be 100% correct (laughs) yeah of like um ADHD is sort of seen as um like only for cis boys of like um being really hyperactive it being more visible of like when people have hyperactive um form of um, ADHD or combined form, it's so much easier for people to go, oh, they have ADHD, they should go get tested or yeah. diagnosed, that sort of thing. Whereas people with inattentive forms or um, combined form but leaning toward, more towards um, inattentive, they go under the radar yeah. because they're just seen as like daydreamers and that sort of thing. Um, and especially like cis girls or people who are perceived to be cis girls go under the radar so much even though studies have shown that they're just as likely to Mm. have ADHD yeah um and also I find it really annoying how gendered all of the language around ADHD is it's like boys are like this girls are like this and I'm like but what about me it's like I it's just really annoying especially how gendered certain aspects of ADHD are it's like the hyperactive form is like the boys form or like girls with hyperactive form are tomboys and I'm just like 
What? You could just say like people have the hyperactive form and they're more visible and they uh, yeah and it's, it's better ways to say everything. Yeah, yeah, and it's so so gendered, um, gendered to the gods. Um, <laughs> it's so frustrating. Um, I also feel as well that people don't really understand like the inattentive form either. Mm. Of like they just think it's like oh. Um, you got distracted a little bit by something. Um, and, like, we all get distracted by things. Um, yes, but, we like, I'm having, distracted right now. Yeah, I'm distracted <laughs> right now. Um, but it's, like, it's because of our brain. It's, like, it's a, more than just getting distracted because there was a loud noise and you're, you're, you immediately just went, like, oh, what's that? That's You mean, like, yeah. the squirrel? Yeah. Drug? Oh. <laughs> Compass's face just yeah. fell. <laughs> so, squirrels, we don't even have them here. Yes, are very <laughs> distracting, but also no. Of like, when we're focused, we can focus. It's called hyperfocusing, where um, a lot of the time we'll get so focused on one thing that we do it for um, hours on end, days on end we don't really think about anything sometimes sometimes I've hyper focused for weeks where it's like wow. the only thing I think about is that one thing and that's the only thing I want to do and I can't like make myself do anything else mm. um uh, and with the inattentive form I feel like people assume that it's like getting distracted like momentarily like you hear like a really annoying repetitive sound um so you get like slightly distracted by that you forget like what number you're counting or something whereas, everyone yeah yeah whereas with adhd at least from my personal experience it's sort of like you're trying to make yourself focus so much but everything around you is just like bombarding your brain your brain's trying to like remember and pay attention to everything even though you're just like, stop it, just focus on this one thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not as if, like, you just focus hard enough and suddenly it's fine. Yeah. It's like you can't really make your brain do something that it doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I went I went off. And I was just <laughs> like... Was, um, also, I feel like there is a, another stigma of, um, like, people with ADHD, especially, like, younger kids and parents of, like, you just medicate your child so that they've, like, so it's easier for you to parent. Yeah. When it's, like, no, like, a lot of the times taking meds for ADHD really helps. Uh, for me personally, it's really helped me actually, like, finish things on time. It's helped me, like, um, curb my impulsivity. Um, impulsivity is also another massive part of ADHD of, like, not being not being able to, like, regulate your impulses, mm-hmm. um, which, like, leads to me buying a lot of food. <laughs> like, my, my impulses are mostly around food. I'm just like, I'm going to eat and I'm going to eat and I'm not going to stop and here's all of my money towards food. <laughs> um, whereas, yeah, some people will have um, impulses towards other things of, like, um, they can be quite dangerous a lot of the time of, like, um, being a daredevil, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and you know, impulsivity can be, can be quite dangerous of like, you think like, it'll be fine if I try and parkour over this massive (laughs) canyon. I'm going to have never done parkour. I did parkour and I feel that so high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a thing I think people overlook or overstate of like, 
It doesn't mean that we're constantly blurting out every single thing that we think um, or constantly interrupting, but that is a part of ADHD. I mean, who doesn't interrupt anything? I mean, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, impulsivity definitely goes under the radar as, yeah. a, as a symptom of ADHD, and medication helps curb that so much. Like, when I take my medication, I, like, actually can save money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't spend all the food. Yeah. I read somewhere that someone was annoyed because um, ADHD was named for the symptoms that affect other people. That's so true. It's so true. And, pre- like, a lot of the diagnostic criteria is about, like, does this affect other people? Mm. Um, and I, th- I guess that comes from a point of, like, if you if it's all inside your brain, you don't really realise that something's, like, right off. Yeah. Like, you don't realise, like, other people don't have issues with concentrating. Um, and you only really go and get diagnosed when it becomes, like, your school schooling is suffering, yeah. your social life is suffering, or, like, you're being, like, other people are noticing it, um, which is so frustrating that yeah. there isn't enough like widespread knowledge about ADHD for people to be able to go like even though this doesn't affect other people it affects me and I'm going to go get diagnosed mm. um, mm-hmm. which is so frustrating and I think a lot of people have issues with getting diagnosed if their symptoms don't affect other people as well yeah yeah because um with getting diagnosed with ADHD, at least for from my own personal experience and I think from other people's experience, um, you need to have had symptoms before the age of 12. Really? Um, yeah. Um, so, like, parents need to, like, oh, wow. fill out, like, a questionnaire as well. So it's, like, if your symptoms didn't affect your parents, then, like, your what if chance... You terrible parents yeah. that didn't notice. Yeah. So it's, like... If your parents didn't notice your symptoms, then it's really hard to get diagnosed, which is so frustrating. It is very annoying. Yeah. Um, and also, like, some people with ADHD do really well in school. Yeah. Like, even though they struggle, like, internally to get stuff done, they do get stuff done. And, you know, they might be getting, like, excellences across the board. So people are like, oh, they're fine, even though they're really struggling. Yeah. Um, Grades don't equal success. Yeah. Yeah. And they definitely don't reflect how, what, like, your brain is yeah. thinking yeah. or how difficult it is to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is really frustrating. And I think that's why we need more knowledge in general across the board about mm-hmm. different um, mental illnesses and different disabilities so that people are able to, like, recognize that in themselves rather than just having that stereotypical... Other people pointing it out to you as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's why it's so important that we have representation. Yeah. Accurate representation. Accurate (laughs) representation, yeah. Yeah. How about you? Let's flick it over to you. Um, Well, stigma for schizophrenia is a lot, as you Mm. probably know. Um, Most of it comes from movies and, like, where the serial killer has schizophrenia. Mm. And it's just really frustrating. Yeah. (laughs) Because, like, the only thing I can think of that isn't that was A Beautiful Mind where... Oh, yes. He ended up... Did he, like, kill himself in the end or something? I I actually haven't seen it. It was a really tragic ending, I remember. Yeah. And I think as well, people... At least from what I've seen in movies, they're like, oh, this person has schizophrenia when really they have, like, multiple personalities. Yeah, and like, that's a big one. The two yeah. get confused a lot. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and um, another thing that really annoys me is the, the stigma around schizophrenia. It's all around, well, not that I want more stigma, but it's all around the positive symptoms. Mm. Whereas lots of people don't know there are negative symptoms to schizophrenia as well, which is yeah, like... Yeah, shall we classify positive and negative yes. symptoms? Positive symptoms are things like delusions, um, hallucinations, um, things that are like added on, you can think yeah. of it. And then diso- uh, negative symptoms are things that are sort of taken away, like yeah. cognitive symptoms, yeah, like um, not being able to concentrate, um, mood yeah. swings, depression. Yeah. So it's like you, basically, if you based it off a neurotypical person, positive symptoms are the things that would be added on, yeah. and negative symptoms are things that would be taken away. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not meaning, like, positive symptoms, meaning they're good symptoms, <laughs> yes. and negative symptoms, meaning they're bad symptoms. Oh, man, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But thank you. We just classified that? Yes. Yeah. Now, continue. We're educated. Yeah. Um... And, yeah, like, lots of people don't know that negative symptoms are even a part of it. Like, I remember at first when I found out, um, when I was researching uh, all the psychotic disorders, <laughs> um, I was like, oh, man, schizophrenia has what? Like, that's a thing? Mm. And um, I, uh, I personally, I thought, I was like, hmm, maybe I have schizoaffective. And it also has negative symptoms as well. But then I got diagnosed with schizophrenia. But, um, and it's like... I wish there was more knowledge about all of it, not mm. just the not just the positive symptoms. Yeah. Cuz it would have saved me years of thinking. Yeah. You know. I think as well like we only really hear about the positive yeah. symptoms, so it's like if you like for instance you don't have hallucinations, mm then you think, oh, I can't be schizophrenic because yeah. I don't fit all the criteria, even if you have, like, all of the negative symptoms yeah. and only some of the positive symptoms. Another symptom yeah. of schizophrenia is disorganised behaviour or thought. I don't, I can't remember if that's a positive or a negative symptom. I think it might be positive, actually. Oh. I feel like that, I feel like that would be a negative. Probably is negative. <laughs> well, but that's so, one let's of the... roll a dice. 50-50 we'll <laughs> yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah. um, you need two of three. You need hallucinations, delusions... And disorganized behavior slash thought. You need two of three of those, um, technically. Okay, that's and interesting. Then, and then you, there's a list of negative symptoms that you have to tick some off. <laughs> so it's like, it's strange because it can be such a diverse spread of yeah how it affects you. Yeah. Even though it's all technically under the same illness, though there used to be different categories. There used to be catatonic. Um, there was paranoid schizophrenia. Mm. Yeah. ones like that I can't remember all of them yeah I feel like paranoid schizophrenia is the one that we hear about the most yeah. and definitely is sort of is sort of represented the most it because is it's, totally absolutely yeah and I think it goes back to that like people don't really care or educate themselves about mm. things unless it affects them yeah directly. and that's the one that affects and like it's the most visible yeah which is so frustrating especially I think when you're in a space and you're not able to like express how you're feeling of like you feel overwhelmed or you're having a delusion and you're in that space and you have to then explain that to other people in order yeah. that for them to support you and then also at the same time you have to be like it's not I'm not dangerous or yeah. anything and even if the, I mean there are schizophrenic people who are dangerous mm. who are, have violent tendencies yeah but they still deserve support and everything yeah exactly and 
I think as well, it's sort of like, yeah, I'm so, sorry, I lost my train of thought. ADHD popped off. Um, yeah, I think as well, it's sort of like, if you definitely have like, especially if you have a mental illness that people are like uneducated about and think is dangerous towards them, um, it's so much harder to then find support. Yeah. Of like, you're not going to go into like a space and people are just going to be educated and like fine. Mm. Um, And then also like, I mean, I I can't really speak from personal experience, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like as well that would definitely affect how um, healthcare professionals interact with you as well. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, I, I actually haven't had, well, no, I had, I had some bad experiences with healthcare professionals, but um, now I'm at a service which is specifically for psychosis, and that's really nice because it means I don't have that fear or that um, stigma coming in from those, from my healthcare professionals. Yeah. But totally there are people who aren't lucky, and, I mean, there are people who don't have that and do experience that from the people who should be helping them. Yeah, and I feel like that's... I think that's a common trend across both mental illnesses, um, mental disabilities and physical disabilities. Mm. Of Especially if you're a young person, people won't listen to you and your experiences. Yeah. And I'd just be like, you know, if you have pain in your back, for instance, like I've had quite bad back pain for like numerous years, um, but healthcare professionals wouldn't listen to me because they were like, oh, it's just you have bad posture yeah. or oh, it's just, like, you're too young to feel this, when it's, like, actually, I have scoliosis. (laughs) Like, it's just, yeah. And I think hopefully that's something that will change as we see, like, younger healthcare professionals Mm. of, like, them being able to say, like, your symptoms are valid, the pain you feel is valid, and um, anything, you know, any mental distress you feel is valid and should be listened to and we'll do anything we can to help you. That's the dream world. <laughs> yeah, the dream world. Hopefully we'll get there, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the world I want to see. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say that a lot of stigma about schizophrenia actually specifically is made to breed fear. Mm. And it's um, like the psycho killer yeah. stereotype comes from, you know, movies and stuff and it causes fear of it which makes it a lot harder to be open about it yeah and like um if you ever mentioned like oh hey i'm on antipsychotics people like yeah and it's like i feel like you only hear about antipsychotics when they're like this person killed three people yeah now they're on antipsychotics yeah and it's like mm. instead of like this this is helping this person regulate themselves yeah. and like helping them actually like get a hold and take care of themselves yeah um, which is how it should be spoken about yeah and I feel like that is it's not it's not entirely similar with ADHD medication but I do feel like it is um from that point of like if you're medicated there's something wrong yeah and obviously super different as to what is wrong like yeah. if you're on antipsychotics people think oh you're like dangerous or yeah. something like that whereas if you're on ADHD medication it's like oh okay your parents just want to control you and yeah. you're a mindless zombie now. Yeah. Um, and I feel like stigma around medication is so surprisingly widespread. It is. Like, I know so many people that won't even, like, 
think about going on like even antidepressants because they're like, I don't need it. I just mm. need to do like yoga. Well, I actually like, have some internalized stuff against meds mm. like every so often. I'm like, oh, I hate being on medication. Yeah. And it's like because it comes from that place where we're told that being on medication means there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And I, as well, I think as like even personally, like thinking like one day I'm not going to be taking meds anymore. Yeah. Like one day I'm going to be fixed or you know, I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to need them. When, yeah. like, realistically, I'm probably going to, like, need medication in some form or another for mm-hmm. the rest of my life. Me too. Yeah. Or at least, you know, until I retire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, once I'm retired, I'll just, like, go with my my brain's every whim <laughs> yeah. and I'll be fine. Yeah. I'll yeah. buy all the food. Yeah, I'll buy everything I can eat. <laughs> yeah. 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 And... I guess with movies, is there anything else there, like stigma-wise, that you think especially the media, like, pumps out or puts out there? Um, Well, every time there's, like, a shooting or someone, they're like, this person was in therapy or, Mm. you know, it's like... They had mental health issues. Yeah, they have mental health It's like, you're not helping. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Shut up. Stop it. Shh. Some ASMR for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, no, this person was just raised in society where they were taught to hate people. Yes. And and mental health probably had, like, a helping hand in that in some way, maybe. But, like, mental bigotry, health isn't... Yeah. Bigotry isn't a mental illness. Bigotry isn't a mental illness, and that is the driving force behind yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so frustrating that, like, whenever it's sort of... And you only see it with, like, white people as well, with, like, white shooters. They're like, oh, they had mental health issues. And I'm just like, and, like, a healthy handing of bigotry and discrimination. And And access to guns. Yeah, (laughs) and access to guns on their side. And it definitely, like, sullies the name of people that are, like, actually struggling and working really hard to take care of themselves and take care of the people around them. Yeah. You know that joke where you, like, compare someone to, like, a slug and then you're like, oh, hey, that's disrespectful to slugs? Yeah. That's how I feel about people saying Donald Trump has mental illnesses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oof. Oof. Getting political on here. Like I'm it. just saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's ridiculous to armchair diagnose someone when you don't know them. Yeah. I and think blaming well, bigotry on mental illness is just yeah. bad. I think as well we definitely have a culture of, like, self-diagnosis and diagnosing other people um, which I think in some ways is helpful. Like, how are you going to go forward and get diagnosed if you don't, like, sort of understand yeah. what you're going through? Of, like, finding resources is so important yeah, totally. and it's an important first step and it's also an important step after you get diagnosed of being, like, here are some, like, resources from people that have the same thing as me. Yeah. This is what helped them. But I do think it's sort of, like, whenever we see anything that's, like, slightly, like off we're like oh they have this condition or this and it's quite arbitrary sometimes mm. I find of like actually you should go to a healthcare professional and not just like yeah. assume things well, actually that makes sense. isn't all isn't it like really bad for a um, healthcare professional to diagnose someone they, they've never met mm. yeah like I've I'm heard... not sure if you're even allowed to do that no I don't think they are yeah because that's <laughs> yeah yeah and I definitely think uh as well 
oh, I don't know where I was going with that. I was thinking, I was like, diagnosis, going to people, talking to people. Where was I going with that? Um, yeah, I think as well, it's so important that when you're getting diagnosed, it's not just like a one-off appointment. I think you should definitely, if you have the resources too, I think you should definitely invest in like going and seeing people, going to therapy and that sort of thing. I think that's so valuable. If you can. If you can, obviously. Sadly, it's so unbelievably expensive to um, get therapy, um, get counselling, especially if you're not like in a crisis state like if you're Hmm. just wanting if you want to get diagnosed and maybe you're not like at a breaking point then it's really hard to get things that are subsidized or Hmm. that are through the public mental health system or public system um and it's so frustrating to see that there are people in need that just aren't getting diagnosed because they're not at their breaking point yeah yeah i will say if you have psychosis um in wellington uh, or I think it's, I don't know, I, know, I definitely know there's one in Christchurch, um, EIS, Early Intervention Service, is mm-hmm. specifically for psychosis and it's public. Um, so if you get a referral from your doctor, if yeah. you can. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so it's free. And they also cover meds and stuff. I love it. Which that's is good because antipsychotics can be real expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Medication across the board is just like so expensive. I'm like, why? For like why? my one right now is like $500 per month. <gasps> what? Yeah. What? So that's insane. Because it's an injection. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. I feel so bad for people that like that don't have it subsidized. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. It's so inaccessible, especially to people like when they're in a household with not a lot of income or they don't have a lot of mm-hmm. income. It becomes like immediately a thousand times harder to yeah. access anything, mm-hmm. which is so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I guess to cap this all off, I guess we could maybe give some top tips of what helped us Let's or what helped us self-care-wise. Self-care, yeah. Self-care, love it. Do you want to start us off? <laughs> I will. I will say that self-care isn't a one-off. It's not like just a thing you do. It's something you have to work at mm. and like to integrate it into every aspect of your life. Mm. So I'd say keep, keep um, mindfully doing self-care you know, making sure to actually do it, take care of yourself, things like that. Yeah, I think as well, building on that, it's like it's not one thing that you do once a week mm. of like, yeah, there can be things that you do once a week as like a like a well done, you got through the week, but there are there should be self-care things you're doing every single day and you probably are doing self-care things every single day just without realising it. Um, for me, I think one of my biggest top tips um and self-care things is writing down signs of like this is when I'm having trouble focusing this is when I'm going off like this is when I start hyper focusing and this is when I really can't focus on anything yep. writing down certain like signs and certain things that help you because often when you're when you're like in the middle of it a lot of the time you can't tell especially with things like anxiety or panic attacks mm-hmm. writing things down that actually help you um people you can call and like certain self-care methods that you if can you use l- where you can't think look about up it. online wellness plan oh yes that'll come up that'll there'll be probably be a bunch of documents that have like all of those in one place yes yeah because that's I, what it's called yeah. in the therapy world yes i would absolutely recommend that because i think sometimes you just forget or sometimes yeah. you don't think about it and it's and helpful to have a list of like oh hey i'm doing this this yeah. and this it probably means this yeah and especially of like there are signs of like, oh, I didn't, I've been sleeping 
I haven't been sleeping very well recently. Mm. That's, that could mean that I'm, you know, gonna have like two weeks where I'm just really depressed or go through yeah. a depressive episode, that sort of thing. I think it's really, at least for me personally, it's really valuable to have that. Mm. And um, it's all about figuring out what works for you personally. Yeah. yeah. I'd say another tip is talk to people who have had similar experiences mm-hmm. or have the same um, illness as you. Um, just because it's it like reinforces that you're not alone in this. There are other people who feel the same, who experience the same things, and you can you know compare coping mechanisms and stuff. Yeah. Like I'm in a group chat with people who have psychosis, oh, I love that. and that's really good because we have like a, a channel called like coping mechanisms, and every so often someone will just put something in and I'll be like, oh yes, this is amazing, thank you. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. It's like find people like in person or online that experience like maybe don't have the exact same experience as you but can relate yeah yeah um I think as well it's so important that you find a community um because when you go through things alone it can feel really overwhelming and like you're the only person going through things when really there are people out there that um are experiencing similar things to you and that you know you're able to support each other Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other top tips? Um, no, I think that about covers yeah. it for me. Yeah, I feel like those are good broad yeah. tips. Totally, we've covered all our bases. Yeah. No one can say that we're wrong because yeah. that's so broad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, obviously, uh, this was sort of like about Disability Pride Week and uh, Mental Health Awareness Week. Obviously, we talked a bit more about, like, mental health simply because that's our own personal experiences. Um, But um, I definitely want to reiterate that we have to make spaces accessible and we need to listen to other people's stories, especially people um, with different disabilities, um, with physical disabilities and with invisible disabilities um, because it's so important that we all just build, like, a safe and loving community together. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for having me, Compass. No worries. Kirk Keats.